phrase El Shaddai is Hebrew, and it has the definition of almighty. El, of course, is the term, the Hebrew term for God, and Shaddai would be the term for almighty. So God almighty. And when we put that those two words together, he is infinite in all of his attributes, not just in his power, but in his knowledge, in his wisdom, all powerful. And this power should cause us as his creation to uh, worship him, to admire him, to listen to him, to obey him. And these things, his attributes, are described in the scripture as being clearly seen. There is no question in a rational mind that there is a supreme being. There is a God. We see evidence of that in nature, all nature that surrounds us, everything that we see, everything we perceive with our five senses dictates the fact that there is a supreme being. There is a God. There's no way to explain how grass grows or how corn is is processed and, and grown in the field and harvested. And all of those things point to one thing that's beyond our power. I can't make corn grow. I can plant it. I can water it, but I don't direct the roots. I don't direct the stalk. I don't direct the ears of corn. I don't, I don't direct any of that. There's something outside my power. There must be someone or something that is all powerful. And we see that in our storms. We see that in, uh, wasn't it, wasn't it snowing this week in Colorado (laughs) in June? What? We see the power that's beyond us, and, it, and nature just literally screams there is a God. But it goes beyond that. Not only in nature do we have the proof that God exists, but there's proof in the revelation that's given to us in his word. The very nature of God is described in his holy word, we call it the Holy Bible, and we get to see his power and how he deals with nations, how he deals with individuals, how he deals with nature, how Jesus could walk on water and how he could turn water to wine and all those things that are outside of our capability. He made the rules and he can do whatever he wants with them. And so we see this in his very nature. And so when someone says, Why should I worship God? If in fact he does exist, does God need me to worship him? Is that make him somehow better? Does it make God somehow uh, seemingly uh, more intuitive to our, our needs? It's like, no, it's because of his nature, his infinite nature that requires us to worship him. And it benefits us. And so when we look at this idea of God being all-powerful, one of uh, your favorite verses possibly is Philippians 4.13. Maybe you've even memorized it. I can do all things through Christ strengthens me. How many things can we do through the power of Christ that's strengthening us? The scripture says all things. Hmm. What does that leave out? 
Well, the word all is encompassing and encompasses everything. And we can do all things. With God, nothing is impossible. There are those that uh, want to look at God and they want to say, I don't really believe in him. Okay, you can make that choice. You can decide that. But when you look at nature and you try to describe where all of that came from and how it all is linked together and how it all just happens every single day, the sun comes up in the east, sets in the west, and it's like, how do you explain that? If there's no God, how do you explain that? Is it just some accident? That's impossible. That's insane. And so we have to say, through God's action, when he spoke, things existed. When he said, let there be light, there was light. When he said, I want plants, there were plants. When he said, I want the ocean teeming with life, the ocean was teeming with life. When he said, let us make man in our image, mankind, man and woman, here we are. We're not some accident. We're not some uh, mistake. This is the epitome of God's creation. This is the epitome of the phrase El Shaddai, all-powerful, God Almighty. And we find us a particular passage where one individual was sort of set up. He introduces this individual, this individual named Job. God introduces him to Satan. Satan says, well, of course people are going to follow you. People are going to worship you because look at how you've blessed them. Let's let's look at Job, for instance. Look, he is so rich. He has everything. Of course he's going to bless you. Of course he's going to worship you. Who wouldn't? And God says, just a second, let me introduce you to Job. Let me introduce you to this trophy of human character. Job allows, or God allows Job and Satan to remove everything from Job. Everything. His wealth, his family, his health, his prestige. Everything disappears seemingly overnight, and there he is, (laughs) sitting in an ash heap, scraping the wounds on his legs, arms, his body, the sores, because his health is gone. He is there in agony, in grief, and God says, consider my servant Job. And it's interesting to think that Job, throughout all of this, he questions God. It's okay to question God. When we're down, when we're out, when we're suffering, when our health has been removed, when our family has, has turned their back on us, when, when we no longer have wealth, when we're homeless, when we're whatever the case may be, whatever the problems that exist, when we come to that realization that God exists and that he does love us, notice how Job responded even in the face of sheer agony. Job chapter 13, verse 15, has this to say. He says, Though God slay me, I will trust in him. (laughs) Consider Job my servant. Consider the epitome of human character in this individual named Job. When we understand what he went through, and even with all of that, his wife comes in, he says, curse God and die. Thanks, honey. Thanks for that. Though he slay me, 
I will trust him. That is the proper response. It's okay to question God. Job did. And you know how God responded to Job? Well, this is a fascinating uh, turn of events. This is a wonderful section in the scripture. And I want us just to read a few, a few of these verses. In Job chapter 38, after all the, the blather from his friends, after all the questioning from Job, after all the things that Job and his friends have, have said and then tried to determine, God comes to Job and he speaks directly to him. Imagine having that happen. What would God say to you? <laughs> but here's what he said to Job. Beginning in chapter 38, I just want to read a few of these verses and just picture yourself. You're scraping the wounds because your health has been removed. You've just buried your children. You've lost all of your investments, all of your wealth. You're completely desolate. You're completely without, there's nothing left for you on this earth. And yet you say to your friends and you say to your God, even if you kill me, I will trust you. But here's how God responds to Job. Beginning in verse one, then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up your loins like a man and I'll ask you, you instruct me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you understand. Who set its measurements since you know? Or who stretched the line on it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Or who enclosed the sea with doors? When bursting forth, it went out from the womb when I made a cloud its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band, and I placed boundaries on it, and I set a bolt and doors, and I said, Thus far you shall come, but no further, and here shall your proud waves stop. That's just 11 verses. Can you answer any of those questions? When you begin to question God, when you say, Why me? When you look out and you, you see all the calamity, all the, the problems in this world, and you begin to question God and you're, you're tempted to throw it all in and say, I, I can't even believe in God anymore. Look at all this evil. Look at all this trouble. Look at all this grief. And you start to say to yourself, I'm just going to quit. God says, where were you, oh wise one, when I laid the foundations of the earth? Who does that? Who lays the foundation of the earth? You certainly didn't. Job certainly didn't. I certainly haven't. God says, yeah, I know. You weren't there, but you're acting like you do. You're acting like you know everything. So where were you? And when I put the boundary where the sea stops, when I said, no further are you going to go, who does that? Oh, we're being, we're trying to, there's, they're trying to convince us that we have some control over that, but we have no control over that. That's absurd. Where were you? Oh, and the, the answer is very apparent. I wasn't there. I don't know. I don't know the answers just in 11 verses. And then verse 12, 
begins to display more power. Remember, his name is El Shaddai, God Almighty. <laughs> How much power do you have, God? How much power are you capable of? Well, let's read a few more verses just to be reminded. Look what it says. Have you ever in your life commanded the morning and caused the dawn to know its place? that it might take hold of the ends of the earth and the wicked be shaken out of it. It is changed like clay under the seal and they stand forth like a garment and from the wicked their light is withheld and the uplifted arm is broken. Have you entered into the springs of the sea or have you walked in the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been revealed to you or have you seen the gates of deep darkness? Have you understood the expanse of the earth? Tell me if you know all this. I'm listening. God's sitting there saying, I'm listening. <laughs> Do you know? I don't know. I can't answer these questions. Job couldn't answer these questions. We've been trying for years to answer these questions. Scientists spend their life answering these questions or making the attempt. And when we come to this realization, when we understand that God is all-powerful. God is El Shaddai. When we make that recognition, when we say, oh, it's not me. I don't have answers to this. I don't know what you're talking about. I wasn't there. We need to respond like Job. Even if you kill me, I'm going to trust you. Who says that? Who has that type of faith? Consider my servant Job, God says. He is the trophy of human character. I wonder if God has a mantle and he has trophies on his mantle. I wonder if you're there. Are you a trophy of human character? I believe that'd be something to aspire to, don't you? Why would I want to aspire to that? It's because of God's power. He is almighty. El Shaddai is how the Hebrews would say it. El Shaddai, God almighty. It's not me. I'm weak. I'm feeble compared to the creator I am just a speck, and even less than that compared to him. And when we make that recognition, when we come to that realization, when we understand who God is and what he's capable of, then our worldview changes. Oh, we look out and we see the, what the news uh, is saying, most of which is inaccurate. But... We see all this happening and we say, who's in control here? Are, are the insane in control? It appears that way, doesn't it? God says, no, I'm in control. Where were you when I set the foundations? When I, when I poured the foundations of the earth? When I spoke and the stars came into existence? 
that's an impressive amount of power. And when we understand who God is and our relationship to him, our response should be just like Job's. Even if he kills me, I'll trust him. Okay. And with that kind of faith, God says, I'm going to put your little face on my little mantle and I'm going to remember you as a trophy. You are created in my image and you have this power. Where did this power come from? Not from within yourself. Oh, no. I can do all things, Paul says, through Christ who strengthens me. Now, when we understand and begin to understand that, then what happens? Well, God has been described as a potter. A potter is one who works with clay and makes vessels. And the potter can decide how tall the vessel is, how wide it is, what it's used for, if it's going to be coated in gold or silver or some beautiful ornate place, or maybe it's just a simple little clay pot that's going to grow a little geranium or some other flower. It's like, well, the potter, the potter decides. Okay. The potter, by virtue of his status, has authority over the vessel he has fashioned. Have you ever heard one of the pots that you have on your patio, maybe out in your front yard, maybe on your front step, maybe in your backyard somewhere? Have you ever heard the potter, the pot, say, hey, why don't you put me to work in some like special place. Ever heard a pot talk back to you? Me either. Never happens. What you determine to do with your pots is up to you. The pot doesn't argue. You're putting dirt in me? You're going to put a plant in me? Are you kidding me? I'm going to sit outside for the rest of my existence until I break? The pot never complains. The potter, by virtuous status, has authority over the vessel he creates. God is described as this potter. We are described as his vessels. And some are used for very important tasks. Think about some of the people that are, are performing incredible tasks these days. It's impressive. You know, the people that that drive around an ambulance, the EMTs and those guys, it's like, that's an impressive work. They show up and you're bleeding, you're crushed, you're, you're in dire straits. And what do they do? They save you physically. Thank you for that. That's great. That's impressive. What have you been doing today? Have you saved anybody? I haven't either. My position isn't as impressive as that position. God says, by virtue of who I am, I decide what you're going to do. I've given you a certain amount of talents. I've put, in, I've put you in a certain place. I want you to bloom where you're planted. I want you to do what I've asked you to do. How about that? Job needed to repent. 
He had questioned God. He had come up against God and God put him in his place. And because he was put in his place, the proper response from Job, repentance. I have to understand I am just a vessel. Job understood his position. Do you understand your position? Is there any repentance that needs to occur in your life? Job replied to the Lord, I know now (laughs) you can do anything and no one can stop you. Job came to his senses, didn't he? Job understood his position as a vessel. I often wonder if I understand my position as a vessel. Job questioned God about things he knew nothing about. And God put him in his place. Where were you when I did these things? Where were you when I displayed my almighty power? The same place I was. We weren't there. It's only God. And when we understand just a little bit of that information, and we respond in repentance and obedient faith, God says, I'll forgive you and restore you to your former glory. Think what happened to Job. He had 10 children. He had, I don't remember the number of camels and donkeys and all the livestock, which made him a very rich man. But if we look at those numbers in Job chapters 1 and 2, and we look at the numbers in Job chapter 41 and 42, we see They've doubled. He had 10 more children. He had a double amount of the the flocks that he once had. God forgave him and then restored him. Twice the earthly wealth. Even though Satan had run him through the ringer, literally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, Job stood the test. I've heard a lot of people lately complaining about the situation of our world, of our country. Oh, poor pitiful me. Why is this happening to me? Oh, it's so bad. It's so terrible. We live in perilous times. Do we? Compared to what Job went through, this has been pretty simple. I want to be like Job. I want to be a trophy. Human character. I want to be on that mantelpiece of God where when he says, when he mentions something about someone being faithful, I want him to think of me. Don't you? question, is anything too hard for God? No. Think about your position. Think about your status. Have you turned your back on God? Have you walked away from him? Have you decided you can do it your own way? Scripture tells us very plainly, all of sin fallen short of the glory of God. I have, you have, we have, everyone has. Okay. Question is, are we willing to fess up to it? Are we willing to say, I was wrong, you're right, and please forgive me? 
And then God says, now I can use you. I've, I've created you. I've made this perfect little vessel. And now I can put you to work. I can use you. And I want you to serve me. It's not for God's benefit. It's for your benefit. Praising God, worshiping God, serving God. Not for God, as if he needed anything. He doesn't need anything. He wants that relationship, and you need it. You need this. It will benefit you. Job would say, I know my Redeemer lives. If you slay me, I will still trust you. And then another prophet, some years later, centuries later, prophet by the name of Jeremiah would say, Oh, sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth by your strong hand and powerful arm. Nothing is too hard for you. So our response, our reaction, it needs to be like Job's, like Jeremiah's, like Isaiah's, like you name it, Micaiah. You name the prophet. You name the, the, the person that was faithful to God. Every one of those individuals had this in common. They didn't know the whole plan. Most of them didn't even like the plan. Remember Jeremiah said, I'm a youth. I, I can't speak. I, God says, I'll put you to work anyway. Moses says, I can't talk in, in public. It's my number one fear. <laughs> God says, I'll use you anyway. And you think about all the excuses that people made all throughout history. And we make the same excuses. People haven't changed any. We're, we're people. And so we have this, this issue. Do I trust God or not? You see, there's something in it for you. Worshiping God, praising God, serving God, it's for your benefit. And the reason we do it is because he is El Shaddai. He is almighty. He wants you with him. Then he says, I can use you for my glory. Now, our job there's an old song that we sing, trust and obey. There's no other way. If we trust God, he's faithful and he will bless us. If we love God, we'll keep his commandments. Because we keep his commandments and we're obedient, he says, I'll bless you. There it is. El Shaddai. God Almighty wants a relationship with you. The question is, do you want a relationship with him? Come to him in obedient faith. Do what he asks you to do. And then serve him faithfully till death.